Christ, and I was going to cut all of that out. <laughs> oh, well, then never mind. <laughs> all right, let's just start over. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we are off to a really good start. We are. First, it's, it's, you would think, you know, after five episodes. Oh, no way. No, no way. I'm Probably still... by like 100 episodes. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> 102, we will feel comfortable. Oh, perfect. That's the that's matching our current Instagram follower count. So oh, that's great. Unintentional. Well, hey, this is our podcast, Haunted or Hoax. I'm and, Kristen. Yep. And I am Jennifer. And we are your hosts. Hostesses with the mostesses. But yeah, so this is Haunted or Hoax. If you're new here, uh, this is our fifth episode. What we do is we take some haunted house ghost stories that we find interesting. I gonna go through all the legends, the rumors, and sort of the experiences people have. And then Jennifer goes through the history and we sort of just see if we have the impression of if it's really haunted or if it's just all made up BS. Um, and then what else do we do, Jennifer? Um, well, I think you just did an excellent job forming a synopsis. Right, but we also but do... we also... <laughs> what else can I add to that we also go on ghost tours once a month or at least that's the goal and we'll get some stories do some research on the fly record and then kind of give you a rundown of what we think of the stories because as we saw in Abercorn the ghost tours don't always stick with the history exactly and you know I think that the last few episodes that we've had have been really interesting mix of like really out there stories and maybe not so matching up with the legends with the history um and I think that we're kind of following the trend of really interesting takes and really interesting deep dives with um today's story yeah I agree so what are we doing today you know right we I do know um last episode we kind of told you guys we were gonna go and take a trip to Tennessee in our minds not physically of course but we are going to be going and covering the bell witch cave i almost said blair witch but it's not it's the bell witch cave in adams tennessee yes and it's interesting that you said blair witch because there was some speculation that they were kind of one and the same yeah that the 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 story kind of inspired that movie yeah turns out the blair witch tale has only been around since i know shockingly the 1990s Mm-hmm. This has been around in history since the 1800s, so right. a couple much, of years on it. Much longer, but and I think the Blair Witch, I think I vaguely remember my mom telling me that the Blair Witch was filmed near where she used to work. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, Which neat. is really interesting. I have to ask her, but I'm pretty sure that's what she told me, but totally different places and totally different time frames and totally different witches. There's a lot of witches out there, and these two are separate. You want to go first today? I shall go first and let you know all of the hauntings and a little bit of the rundown of what the legend of the Bell Witch actually is. I got all my sources from thebellwitchcave.com, the Tennessean. I got a little bit of an experience story from Reddit. But most of my information came from a Ghost Adventures episode, season 10, episode 5, and then Expedition X, I think it was season 2, episode 4, I'm almost certain. 
but yeah, so I will go ahead and just get into it. Let me see, where should I start? So the beginning, the beginning would be good. <laughs> um, so the haunting began in about 1817. John Bell, um, the father of this family and the owner of Bell Witch Farms, witnessed an apparition of a strange creature. Now, there's a, diff- a lot of different accounts of this strange creature. Most of it is a big, shadowy, dog-like creature with glowing red eyes. I also, um, in Ghost Adventures, they describe it as a dog with a rabbit's head and being very large. So he saw this strange dog-like creature and fired at it in his cornfield, supposedly, and it ran off. And then from then on, the Bell family and the Bell farm were plagued by an entity that they called a witch. Um, Some of the experiences that they had were incessant knocking, like hard knocking on their doors and walls, shrieking chains being knocked around and growling and gnawing at their like their doors Mm. growling at the doors like gnawing on their beds and then like disembodied voices one of the members of the family who was affected the most by this entity was betsy bell who was 15 she was the daughter um apparently this entity which they called a witch pulled this girl's hair slapped her around constantly like the door would fly open and then she would like get attacked she was one of the main targets Mm -hmm. the other target was john bell he was the one who apparently aggravated the spirit so he was one of the main targets as well he heard a lot of whispering around him he was always feeling like he was being watched that sort of thing now john bell was supposedly murdered by this witch entity this evil spirit the story goes that one night he went to bed and the next morning his family found him poisoned by a mysterious black liquid that was found by his bed Mm. and as they found him in this liquid a disembodied voice of the witch said i gave old jack a dose of that last night which fixed him before like shriek laughing and then i guess fading away which is creepy Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that is foreboding you and i mean you you can't catch a killer if the killer's a evil spirit i have a lot of questions but i'm (laughs) i'm going to let you go on okay all right well hold i'll hold my questions till the end hold your questions till the end um so john bell is thought to be murdered by this entity the son of john bell actually wrote a whole diary kind of explaining what was going on is he called it our family trouble richard Mm -hmm. bell and a book was written later about the experiences with this family by mv ingram which takes that diary and sort of also expands on it it was just a little bit part of of the actual book you know what this gave me was big amityville horror vibes yeah as i was kind of researching and learning about this I was like wow somebody wrote a book about your experiences but he actually wrote the book way after the experiences happened I think 70 years or something afterwards I think it was 1930 the book came out yes so um a little bit afterwards but yeah it definitely was something like oh hmm 
I was yes. reading the the book reviews on Amazon because it is something that you can like purchase. And I was thinking about getting it like the 99 cent version just to glance over real quick. But when I mm-hmm. read the reviews, everyone was like, this is great as a work of fiction, but it has nothing to do with the story. Yeah. Is it in the fiction section on Amazon? Mm-hmm. Is it? It is. Because um, everyone in the episodes were talking about it as an authenticated, like, nonfiction account, which is also giving me big Amityville vibes mm-hmm. when it first came out. Yep. Um, what was something cool was in Expedition X, um, Phil and Jess went to the museum, and they have the original there. Mm-hmm. And they were, they actually got to touch it. They got to do the thing that we always want to do, oh, touch, the, <laughs> touch the original. One, um, day. one day, one day, one day we'll be able to touch really old paper, paper, really old paper. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm guessing that I didn't see a lot of information after John Bell was murdered other than like this entity presence had continued to plague them so I was a little bit confused because in the ghost adventures episode they don't really go into a lot of like who this witch is or who this entity is but in expedition x and in some of my other research they do kind of elaborate on who the rumored witch is um it is someone named Kate Batts who was legend had it apparently engaged to John Bell and he broke it off and then she I guess was really jealous of the life that he made afterwards and on her deathbed cursed him and said she would like ruin his life and be the end of him and then she died and became this evil entity supposedly which I will tell you all about that I hope you do because that seems really confusing to me with the story that is also he pissed off this dog-like creature and that's how everything started mm-hmm. it's not really matching up to me but maybe you have something that kind of brings both of those together I have a a way to illuminate a lot of things oh perfect we love <laughs> the process of elimination uh-huh. um but I will tell you also um there was another story where a child named Drury Bell and a friend on the prop- the Bell property dug up some Indian graves. Supposedly, the Bell, Bell farm is built on four to 5,000 Indian graves or Native American graves. And they found a skull and brought it home and a tooth fell out of the skull and fell between the floorboards. And that's what cursed the Bell farm. The tooth or digging up the skull? I guess it's like a combination of both. Like was the tooth that was, was that like the straw that broke the camel's back? I I mean, I guess I'm guessing that when these two children brought this skull into the house, their mom was not very happy and was like, you know, go put that thing back where it came from or so help me. Yeah. Um, And then I guess the tooth remained there because it fell. Mm -hmm. And so not being able to be put back to its resting place cursed the bell farm and invoked this witch entity i see i see so i mean we all know that there's lots of bodies buried all over the united states being built upon that's nothing new but a a single tooth cursing a whole entire family man can you just imagine how savannah carries on functioning (laughs) right right also 
I thought that was really interesting because later in Expedition X, when they go to this museum, they have like the dentures of some of the Bell family, like the dentures, like the fake teeth. Why? I don't historical meat. <laughs> historical reasons, but also if you believe the legend, why are you keeping teeth anywhere near? We didn't learn our lesson the first time about <laughs> keeping teeth around. Exactly. Don't keep people's teeth. You know what? When I have a kid, your teeth, I'm sorry, going in Ooh. the trash. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> I think my mom did keep keep our teeth. Oh, you know what? My mom definitely did keep my teeth. <laughs> and you want to know how I know? Because when I was 16, I was going into her jewelry box oh, looking. Gosh. I was looking for a necklace to wear, as one does, steal jewelry from their oh, mothers yeah, sure. when they're teenagers. And I was looking and I opened up this part of her jewelry box and all of my little like teeth containers, whenever you lost your tooth, Mm -hmm. were in there. And my little baby teeth, I was horrified. So I don't, (laughs) I guess we all keep teeth in in the end, but what, I mean, I guess what else would you do with them? I'm not going to lie. I did keep Cleo's, like one of Cleo's puppy teeth and one of Cleo's, one of Tucker's puppy teeth. I have like, it was like their little canines and they're so tiny. But what are you going to do with them? Just make these. A... You know, it's in my jewelry box as well. <laughs> you know, jewelry boxes are just not for necklaces and rings and bracelets anymore. Nope. It's just for your, teeth. for your teeth. Um. So, yeah, I guess teeth Ew. are, <laughs> are <laughs> a, you know, anchor for spirits as well. So be but, Okay. So, you know, if I was a, a curator of a museum and I saw someone's dentures that wouldn't be something that I like well maybe the 1800s dentures are like something interesting to look at I mean maybe they look like just regular dentures oh really they didn't look like you know how they say George Washington's dentures were like wooden wasn't that a myth I think it was but but they weren't wooden they weren't wooden well at least there's that I mean that I guess that confirms that myth is debunked (laughs) would that Um, mean that when they open their mouth they would be barking (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> I didn't think of what you were talking about at first no idea. <laughs> snaps laughed at my joke oh snaps I love her where was I dentures and museums dentures and museums we're, um, we're going back on track we're going eventually I wanted to kind of go through some of the experiences that the ghost adventures team and the expedition x team had as well as some independent experiences of course Zach Bagans and his whole team of people are just a touch over dramatic just a touch they visit Drury Bell's house where the supposed tooth is and it's apparently still standing at the time of this recording um this filming so they go in it's very run down it actually reminded me about of a few old buildings that my grandfather has on his farm just very like obviously not upkept windows are broken um so they go into this house and take a little look around they have a what is called an sb11 spirit box with them which basically looks like two spirit boxes smashed together i don't i don't get what sb stands for smashed box (laughs) smashed box one one two of them (laughs) into one um i don't understand what two spirit boxes if you don't know what a spirit box is it's a basically it goes between really fast between um radio frequencies and supposedly makes you hear spirits once they come through and use the energy to actually focus them into a word how two of those 
instead of one does anything better I, I don't know maybe there's like more energy more things for them to focus on yeah um so they ask for the spirit box to make any sort of entity known they get a voice that they claim says indian when they ask what land they're on and it, an orb shoots into the spirit box i did see the orb mm-hmm. and i don't know if it said indian when i closed my eyes and um kind of listened to it i actually thought it said idiot but maybe that's just my own bias <laughs> that's projection <laughs> that's just projection onto the spirits um, they also say that they hear two male voices say careful and you may when they asked who killed um, Drury's dad, John, and they feel a rush behind them. The house shakes and Zach's camera breaks. So that was all in the house. When they actually go to the, Bel- the Bell Witch Cave, they meet up with a descendant of William Porter, who the legend says actually tried to catch the Bell Witch and kill her. He threw a blanket over her head and like caught her, but then she, I guess, dis- disappeared, you know, became a spirit and then flew out of the house. So he wasn't successful. I see. You know what I'm saying? Like if you like put something over a ghost in a form and then it like disappears. Like a sheet. Have I'm, you ever put have you ever Are you asking sheet? if I've ever put a sheet over a ghost before? No, yes, but no. Have you ever seen the paranormal activity where they do that? Where they, you know, I know it said that that was a real movie, but Kristen, that was not real. I know, but it's like the same concept in this legend. <laughs> I'm just, that's, that's what they said happened. He threw this the all, sheet. This all ties in to my questions that I'm holding until the end of your TED Talk. Okay. Well, listen up, because he did that. And they, they meet up with the descendant of this man who did that, who almost killed and captured the Bell Witch. And the man who did that was named William Porter. His descendant is also named William Porter. Mm. So William Porter Jr. Jr. meets them in the cave. And he's totally, for some reason, down with being bait for this ghost. The team actually calls him, like, trigger object for this, which I don't like. (laughs) Don't call a person a trigger object for, for your ghost hunting needs. It's just, it's not something that... I particularly would want to be called. Would you rather than be called bait? I would rather than be called the person that we're first sending down there. Our first victim? (laughs) I mean, I guess. I don't know. Nothing sounds good. Well, nothing will sound good coming from out of Zach Bagan's mouth. Like, that's true. Our first person of interest. Like, he wouldn't say something like that. Yeah, that'd be too nice for him. But, But they send him down first. He talks a little bit to the spirits, uh, and he hears rocks being thrown at him, like a lot of like rock falling noises, which they're in a cave. The raccoon from Eloise followed them over there. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing is that they're like, oh my God, there's rocks being thrown at him. And I was like, yeah, dudes, you're in a cave. Like rocks are probably going to fall all the time, especially because they were using this like infrasound experiment yeah, they, the, the woo 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 they yeah. got real techie in that episode they did they had a lot of things going on they had like the speaker vibration stuff and then they had these poles that looked like really long lightsabers all around the cave that were going to supposedly light up this portal which zach thinks that there's there's a vortex for spirits to come through i love all of those words 
it's just a lot of ghost hunting vocabulary in this episode so he he hears some sort of things getting thrown at him um just as a one of those lightsaber poles lights up indicating there's a spirit around he turns and his camera gets like this pig grunting sound which again eloise is just following this case i guess or it's jody at this point oh my gosh they're all just they're all meshing together at this point which is i didn't even think of that until now jody's connection with this pig grunting when I heard that pig grunting, I almost text you in all capital letters. Jody's back. <laughs> it started here <laughs> in the cave. But Zach kind of attributes that to her taking on the bell witch takes on strange animal forms. I so see. it could be her. As William Jr. Jr. leaves the cave, he, there's a disembodied voice groaning. And so things are popping off. They decide to all go down there to break down these poles. And it's just a fucking circle of dudes this getting dizzy <laughs> and complaining about their emotions, which, guys, you can open up as much as you want. I love to see emotion from men, but these people. They were so hyped. They were so just really, I don't even know if it was like a ghost portal that was actually opening up or just them all getting high up off everybody else's emotions. There was a lot of feelings in that cave that night. So many feelings. Zach gets dizzy. They all end up on the ground. Yeah, he Zach almost falls over, which he says he like almost falls over because he gets dizzy. But um, I've come to realize watching the show, Zach is actually really, really clumsy and he trips a lot and he blames it on ghosts and it cracks me up every time. So Aaron does this meditation where they have the infrared camera on him and he attempts to connect with the spirits there. And the hole behind him is like this like icy blue indicating it's really cold behind him mm-hmm. and it keeps changing and in, in cold temperature. There's a what they say is like a figure with antler like headdress that comes out of the blue infrared which i think is a stretch i also think that this is a also again a cave it will be cold it would be cold i i think i read that it stays about 58 degrees year around so it's cold they don't capture any uh ghost stick figures on their walk into this cave later like they have what you know the camera they have where they can see spirits in a form of stick figures yeah they don't do that they do that they do that later and they don't find anything billy is also affected by the spirits at some point in this cave he says that it feels like his spine is being ripped out and he feels really sad and he has to step outside and take a break. And he actually goes to the gravesite of John Bell later instead of going back into the cave. So he was emotionally affected by the spirit. Aaron says he sees the form of an Indian chief watching them. And then towards the end of the episode in the cave, Aaron and Zach are walking along. And they find a what looks to be a freshly dug grave. And he's talking to this like dark corner of the cave, asking if they're there and if they're mad and asks for a sign as an orb, which they get. They capture an orb right as he says that. And then they, they get an EVP, which they say is, here I come. <laughs> and again, this might be projecting, but when I listened to it, I heard, you're a not so nice word. <laughs> So that might just be me just being totally it's done a very with this episode. Contradictive interpretations. 
Like, here I, I come. <laughs> You're a That's so great word. <laughs> nice. But I think it might have been just me being done with this episode. Um, it was a lot of technical bringing every one of their equipment in. And then it just feel it, feeling like it didn't pay off. Mm-hmm. They did go really deep into this cave, which I hated every minute of. Because they were in tightly squeezable spaces and very low ceilings. And at one point, Aaron was like, oh man, I feel claustrophobic. And I would have never just, I would never gone. How these people follow Zach into these situations, I have no idea. I certainly would not. I would not go caving in general. No, I don't. So that's another thing. In Expedition X, the next episode of regarding a bell witch that I watched... They also go into a cave. It's not the exact same. It's like a different part of the Bell Witch Cave. And they also go what it's called, I guess, spelunking is what caving is called. And again, they're like going through these caves. It's very dark, very slippery because there's, you know, water running underneath in these caves. They find Phil and Jess are the ones that are investigating and they find bones, like a hell of a lot of bones in these caves just loose bones i don't they don't ever specify if there's that they're animal <laughs> i'm hoping that they're animal but they find a lot of bones i which... saw a movie like that once and it was called the descent <laughs> and it didn't have a really good outcome for anybody so that was my problem with this episode every time they found more bones they even found a candle among these bones no no and that was my thought i was like please turn back and every time they're like let's go forward more and i was like you guys so this are... poses <laughs> A second question, you know, how many bodies, how many bones, plus how many candles would it take for you to get out of Dodge? Um, so one candle, just one candle, one candle to every five bones. Oh, there's a ratio. (laughs) Yes. These people found one candle and literally a pile of 30 bones. Was it the descent? Like, did they find people screaming on the walls? No. no. But they did hear a sound of what sounded like a woman screaming. No. And- oh, God, I want to throw up now. Right. Uh- <laughs> and what did Phil do? He Bring followed back. it. Oh. He followed the noise because he's a skeptic. And he was like, I'm going to figure out what this is. And even if it's like a big animal that's bringing in these bones... Or the Bell Witch. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Get out of there. Save yourself. There was a, I was laying in bed and Snaps was asleep on my stomach and I was asleep on my back, like passed out. And I heard someone scream and it was like 4 a.m. Right. Joe just happened to be awake next to me. And I opened my eyes because I was like, did I hear that? Or did I dream that? The only thing that validated what I heard was the fact that Snaps popped her head up. And I was like, ooh, mm. she heard it too. And it literally, it sounded like someone was, like a woman was being murdered. Right. This is what they, they said, that like they heard a scream. So I slapped Joe and I was like, hey, did you hear that? He was like, no, I didn't because he had these stupid noise hand- canceling headphones on. But we had a security camera out there and I was like, can you check the camera? And he was like, are you sure you didn't dream it? And I was like, no. I need you to check the camera. So he went downstairs to get some water and he checked it while he was down there and he came back and all of a sudden he went from being very skeptical to very serious because lo and behold, it was caught on the camera and it was legit. It sounded like a woman screaming like a, "Ah!" oh my gosh, no, it was terrible. Gross. So we looked into it. There's an ending to the story and it's, it makes sense. Bobcats. And we have bobcats around here. Mm-hmm. They are bobcats in Tennessee. 
bobcats make that noise. <laughs> they sound that's like their scream. So from the woman screaming to the bones, I don't know if they're candle enthusiasts. So it might be a bobcat. But do bobcats stay deep in caves? It wouldn't be super deep, but I I think that they do have like dens and stuff. Maybe this is a den. I don't know. They see the thing is we don't ever get to track down the sound source in this episode because Phil scrambles up and then falls down part of this cave. And at that point, I would say, turn around. But he falls and rolls down like a deep part of this cave. I thought for sure he had broken something. But he just pops back up and said he's he's fine and they keep going. They're, they're sporty ghost adventures is what I like to call them because they were getting beat up from the elements and just kept going. What if we but, switched the two teams and we put Zach in that position where he just took a tumble down a... Oh my gosh, there would be an ambulance. There would be an ambulance rushing and he would be in a neck brace the next time we saw him in an interview. <laughs> I don't think he would be able to hang out with the Expedition X crew. What I did find interesting about this episode is that they got a lot of like present day quote unquote experiences. Like they went into this cave because a cave of expert cave diver had said that he was in the cave and um, he heard a noise, like somebody groaning. And so he went to go get the fuck out of there like the other people should have. And something pulled him back down and scratched him. Oh. And so that's why they investigated. He showed pictures of his scratches. And I don't want to negate anybody's experiences. Your experiences are your own. And of course, what you believe is what you believe. The scrapes to me look like something that I feel like a lot of people would commonly get if they are cave diving a lot. It kind of looked like, you know, like a blacktop burn, kind of. Mm. So. Like a little bit of road rash. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I assume that you could probably get that from rocks. But, you know, he says it was scratching um, from an entity attacking him, so... Um, I also really like this episode because they went to they went as far as getting a gas detector to check for methane gas to make sure mm. that there wasn't because a lot of caves will give that off mm. a lot of material that the caves are made out will give off a methane gas and it can cause you to hallucinate if you breathe too much methane in so they actually brought a gas detector and tested it there was very very little amounts nothing that would make you hallucinate but I thought that was a really great thing to kind of mm-hmm. rule out something going on they kind of wrapped this up um again going to the property that the bell farm is on when they went to the property there was no house there they said all the structures had been basically dilapidated down to like being torn down except for the the graveyard the cemetery and um the old well so that made me confused i guess there's a little bit of time between the filmings between these two shows but Mm -hmm. They went to, the ghost adventures went to the house and then when they went there was no house to be had so i don't know um they go to this property though and they they go to the well that's still there and guess what they do i'm hoping you're not gonna say they decide to spelunk down the well they go down the well no yes they go down the he- the well they repel phil down this well he's already fallen 
I just, I don't understand. And what does he find down the well? Huge scratches, like as, as if something's trying to climb out of the well, which gave me big ring bi- vibes. And a clump of human hair. No, 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 no. It's so gross. And what does he do with his hair? Do you know what he does with his hair? I don't know. I'm going to throw up. He puts it in his pocket to bring up to show this girl. And he brings it back up because he has to rush back up because while he's down there collecting hair, she's up there and she hears something behind her like rustling in the corn. So he comes up and shows her this hair, which she rightfully says, you can keep that. I don't want to touch it. Um, And that was that. They went and kind of like did a nighttime lurk around the gravesite of John Bell and like sat in some corn. They didn't really find anything, though. They had like a lot of noises going around them. Um, They got one EVP, which they says they think says yes yes when she asks if the bell witch is there and they hear a lot of um disembodied whispers around them but nothing like appears to them they don't capture anything on camera they light a candle and then walk away none of the sensors go off but once they come back to the sensors and the camera the candle's out which are like oh my god the sensors didn't go off but the candle's out you're also outside the wind could have blown you didn't leave a camera on there yeah, they didn't leave a camera, so... That's not a good idea. Exactly. So, in both of these episodes, I didn't find anything too, like, oh my god, that is... I did find an interesting rumor, though, that after this Ingram book was made, it was made public, was published, President Andrew Jackson, before he was President Andrew Jackson, actually, like, went... Rumor has it. Rumor has it. He actually went to the bell farm to check this out and go on a witch hunt that's what a historian said was a a rumor like a a legend Mm -hmm. so i thought that was pretty interesting and then they also found an independent account of a soldier who was at the bell witch property bell farms october 12th 1820 talking about betsy bell in a letter who people came to see because of the witch, which is a disembodied voice coming out of her, like accompanying her. Um, so that was an independent account from a soldier that a historian hmm. named Dave found. So yeah, as far as current account encounters, I didn't find too much. In 1986, two Tennessean staff writers went to go stay in the Bell Witch to do a story on the haunting. Um, They did not last the night. They left after hearing um, strange sounds coming from deep within the cave. They also found a whole bunch of black, uh, brown recluse spiders in the cave (laughs) and decided that they should probably not sleep there. Um, But they did say as they were heading out after they heard some strange noises and rocks falling, when they got to the gate of the Bell Witch Cave, they heard like a horrific shriek. And that just pushed them out even further. And that was their experience in 1986. Present day experiences, when you take a rock from the cave, supposedly that gives you a curse. If you take a rock from the cave itself, people return that the rocks in the mail all the time. After getting reports of being sick, um, somebody claimed that their leg had to be amputated after taking a rock. Um, and that tragedy has befallen their family after taking a rock from the cave. 
Um, so maybe just don't take rocks from places that uh, are supposedly cursed and haunted. Um, and then my last encounter was from a anonymous source from the No Sleep Reddit. They said that they went to Bell Witch 10 years ago and they just went for fun with their friends while they were in college. They lived in Kentucky, but where Adams, Tennessee is, it's not that far of a drive. They were getting ready to leave the cave and the person who wrote this jokingly said like Kate show yourself and said they immediately heard something whisper but they couldn't make out the words he dismissed it as you know tour goers ahead of him talking Mm. um when they started back towards their car there was a dog on the property that was like growling and barking at his car and he jokingly said was like oh I guess my car is haunted now once they got in the car and they started up to head back towards the highway they had cranked the heat because it was like 50 degrees outside and their car would not warm up even though like the heat was on full blast they all felt so freezing like they couldn't warm up they also felt like something was trying to make them like cry like invoke like emotion and make their eyes water or like make them sob they all felt like that overwhelming sadness feeling all the windows fogged up and as they passed an exit and some lights they notice a backwards k and a handprint embossed in the fog outside of their window so they said all of this stopped once they hit the kentucky border mm-hmm. and that was that they didn't have anything else after once they got home but those were their experiences as they were leaving the Bell Witch Cave. So they didn't have any photos of the handprint fogging up or anything. I guess nobody thought to take a picture. I was going to say 11 years ago, they probably didn't have that capability, but you had cameras in your phone then. So, oh, for sure. So, yeah. So those were all like the legends, the kind of paranormal activity that supposedly is going on in the Bell Witch Caves and the Bell Witch Haunting. I will say that for being one of the most famous ghost stories and most famous haunted places in the U.S. We didn't find a lot of hard video evidence like I found with Eloise. So I'm currently on the fence and I'm hoping that your history will sway me either way. I am here to help. I did want to bring up that story that you just shared about the backwards K being on the windshield on the Mm -hmm. window so kate the supposed witch kate bats originally spelt her name with a c oh the k was adapted later on interesting so so she didn't even spell her name with a k Mm -mm. interesting throwing it out there just one of the things unless kate bats was not the Kate that was the witch. I mean, that could be also the only thing that was ever mentioned in any like research I found as far as like the legend goes of the witch being Kate. It was Kate Bats. So what I mean, let me tell you all about it. Okay. After the break. Yes, let's take a break. truth and nothing but perfect um so i used bellwitchcave.com slightly because they seem to do more of the legend information Mm -hmm. 
Um, where I got most of my information was from bellwitch.org. Mm. And this guy has done tons of research. He's making t- he's made tons of trips to Tennessee to research this. He said he grew up as a local, but then he moved away. So he grew up learning the legend, um, but then he kind of got tired of the legend and wanted to know what actually was going on. So he'd be a fan of their, our podcast. I think so. Unless I'm telling the story wrong, in which case I'll probably get a hate mail. That's okay. I'm okay <laughs> with those as long as they're warranted. So all of his information, he cites the sources and they're all like church minutes, um, city records, oh my gosh, private journals, stuff like that, that he has had access to in the archives. So it has been like, I feel like the source is very reliable and yeah, he wrote his own book. In case I want to go order it, it is on his website. So we have a few characters in the story. And it honestly, it kind of reminded me of The Crucible, where there were way too many characters to start out with. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do for you what I wish The Crucible had done. And I'm going to break down each key character before we get into the story. So you have John Bell, who is the landowner the patriarch and also the punching bag of the bell witch you have lucy bell who is the wife of john bell the mother of seven Mm. she is the second favorite of the bell witch often being sang to and brought fruit by the witch oh so she's the witch is nice to her yes second favorite okay So then you have Betsy Bell, and she's one of their seven children. She has really bad taste in men, according to the Bell Witch, and she is engaged to Joshua Gardner. I like how your eyebrows went up when I said that. (laughs) I'm also just thinking in my legend, she's like 15, so I mean, we all had bad taste. And we all had bad taste in men when we were 15. Kate Batts is the suspected witch and she's also rumored to quote make eyes with richard powell on occasion i'll mention richard later on then joshua gardner is the fiance to betsy bell you have richard powell who is the school teacher to the bell children and he lived nearby to the bells when he moved into town um it's said that he may have rented a a room from them And he also started becoming fond of Betsy as she grew into adulthood, quote, quote. The ripe old age of 15. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, you have Calvin Johnston, who is the favorite of the Bell Witch. The Johnstons were close family friends to the Bells, and he would often stay over at their house and hold conversations with the witch so that she would leave the Bells alone so they could Mm. sleep. Okay. So John and Lucy Bell married in August of 1782. He was 32 at the time and she was either 12 or 17. Oh my God. What? There's some discrepancies on her birth date. Like we have an official, like an actual, this marriage happened on this date because they have a marriage certificate, but there's some discrepancies on the dates on when she was actually born. So either way, 12 or 17, it's he's 32. 17 isn't so far of a stretch. Like even 15 isn't far of a stretch in like the 1700s. I mean, I know, but <laughs> okay. I know it's wild. At 12, so... I was like, oh, that's so gross. <laughs> Uh, They were originally located in North Carolina, but they made the move to their Tennessee farm 
after they had a big loss of crops in North Carolina in 1805. They were mm-hmm. actually doing really well in North Carolina, but then they had a really bad winter and it ended up killing all of their crops between 1805 and, or 1804 and 1805. So they ended up, up and moving to Tennessee. Around 1817, the family began experiencing all of the tormenting of the Bell Witch. They started, like you said, hearing strange noises, which turned into full conversations, regular physical assaults, and daily afflictions. She called herself Kate, and she would often voice her opinion about Betsy's engagement. They would also physically abuse Betsy. Uh, She said that the relationship with Joshua would not go anywhere. It would just lead to despair. And so she often made predictions like that. She apparently knew a lot about the past and the future and Mm. she would make predictions. So that went on for a while. The bells actually kept what they were experiencing to themselves for a long time, but then they finally decided that they wanted to tell someone I guess to be like hey are we going crazy yeah I I I did read that in the legend that they did keep it to themselves a lot and um I think in expedition x uh Phil raised the question like oh until they wanted to start making money and I was like and I don't think that they were trying to make money at that point because you wouldn't just come out with this at this period of time Mm. because not only just because of the fear of not being believed but also like they were I think they were heavy in the church like legend says and you know the church is going to frown upon that sort of thing going on i looked at this when how far out was this from the salem witch trials 1692 to 1693 okay so a good a good amount out a good amount but i feel like witches had the same attitude towards them yeah don't communicate with witches in the 1800s (laughs) we don't say the word witch Yes. Uh, but they called their neighbors, the Johnstons, over and asked them to witness what they were experiencing. The Johnstons said, of course, and spent the night, and they did bear witness to what was going on. So then they decided to tell everyone about what the Bells were experiencing. Oh, okay. Just, okay, hey, will you come make sure that we're crazy? Don't tell anyone. Of course, I'm not going to tell anyone. And then the next day, guess what? We... We experienced at the bell farm well yeah that's a little bit like this whole story is strange to me so it actually became pretty sensational and apparently people would come to visit the farm to see what was going on mm-hmm. and over three years mr bell would suffer frequent experiences of throat swelling twitching jerking of facial muscles and his health started deteriorating um like i said the johnsons would come and stay at the bells and speak with kate regularly so the bells could actually get some sleep and some rest but that does not sound like any entity that i have ever known that just like decides to sit and have a conversation with you next to the fire like this talkative spirit also is like tormenting this whole family but then when the family's friends come over like oh okay i'll just leave them alone for right now since you asked so nicely and sat down and had a like cute little chat with me by the fire i don't yeah that's that's weird it is all very strange so it said that calvin johnston was the only man ever permitted to touch the witch Mm -hmm. Uh, he was actually allowed to shake her hand he 
or his brother asked for the same permission and she stated no that his brother had pure intentions and his intentions were meant to harm her kate had a great deal of respect for calvin often using him as a basis of comparison for telling others of their faults and she would often say there's no finer man in this country than calvin johnston so either this witch has a like wild crush on calvin or he just is (laughs) he's like no 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 i can communicate with her this is what she's saying i'm great (laughs) (laughs) no so she would this is where my question comes in what is she because she would have conversations with all different people like everyone from the community had experiences with kate the witch she would recite bible verses to them she would tell them their futures she would tell them secrets about themselves that nobody knew like everyone and she would be everywhere in town yeah that's what kind of confuses me too because in the legend i heard she was both like an entity that could take on like several forms like the form of an animal the form of different animals and mm-hmm. then the form of a human like she was like a shapeshifter mm-hmm. kind of entity and then you know a lot of the other stories the legends like this kind of make her seem just like an actual like woman right with so that's my magical powers that's my question like he put a quilt over a ghost but maybe it wasn't a ghost but i guess maybe it was a ghost because she just disappeared from the she just maybe. like disappeared from the room Maybe um, she was a woman, like she was a witch, and then she died and then carried on as an entity, and that's kind of where everything comes from. I'll get get to the witch story in a minute. So the county itself, like this little town, Mm -hmm. was so full of drama, (laughs) and I imagine with how small it was, and it's also in the 1800s, and they're like in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, there's not much going on. Right. But they were all the drama. All of them were the drama. <laughs> Let me tell you all about it. Tell me, I, I live for small town drama. So that rumor that Kate had some vendetta with Mr. Bell. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, they couldn't have been engaged because he didn't even live in Tennessee like previously. He lived in North Carolina and he lived in North Carolina for a while oh, okay. Okay. before he moved so. to Tennessee. So they couldn't have and, been engaged. Okay. And Kate... Is like originally grown and raised in. Correct. She also um, could not have haunted him from the grave because she outlived him by 25 years. Oh, okay. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. You can't haunt somebody if you're not dead. So, Right. There is also a rumor that her and Mr. Bell had some dispute over a land thing. And that's just, that was not the case. However, the drama that happened was... Mr. Bell was actually excommunicated from the church. Yes. He was a deacon at Red River Baptist Church. And then this thing happened where Benjamin Batts. I'm like leaning so far in for actually gossiping about these people. (laughs) I can tell you. Benjamin Batts in 1816 filed a complaint with Mr. Bell and Benjamin Batts and Kate were not even closely related. They were very distant relatives. 
So Mm -hmm. there was no like vendetta family feud going on. Yeah. Apparently. And I like, I was typing this up and I was like, this is literally the most disgusting thing. So I am sorry, but it is a sign of the times. Here's a, Um, here's a, here's your warning. Here's your warning. Yeah. I hate this, but, um, apparently Mr. Bell had purchased a slave from Mr. Bats (gasps) for a hundred dollars. A few days later, Mr. Bats said that she was actually worth more and he reserved the right to resell her. (gasps) So Mr. Bell said that if he was going to sell her again, then Mr. Bats owed him $150. So I'll sell her back to you for $150 so you can sell her for more. Oh my God. Which Mr. Bats paid. However, I guess after he thought about it, he got a little pissed off. So he said something to the to the church about it and the church was like well that's a little not great but we'll let it slide this time so mr bats got aggravated and he actually filed a complaint with court for charging excessive interest oh my god we're talking about a person Mm -hmm. oh this is gross no no we're just talking about the money because that's all that matters here i guess oh god no i mean this that's just and like complaining to your church was like, did the church say it was not great because like he charged interest or because mm-hmm. this was like a person? No, of course not. I mean, anyway. it's like, it's the early 1800s still. So they don't really have that mindset. Like it's property, unfortunately. Hmm. So he was found guilty for charging excessive interest. And then the fact that he was found guilty in court was brought up to the committee in church And so they had another hearing for the church specifically, and essentially they threw a bunch of crap at him, like charges, and he was essentially charged of, or found guilty of being a jerk. and But not for the right reasons. (laughs) No. And he was excommunicated in 1818. He did try to petition for reinstatement to the church several times. And in 1819, the church put a committee together to review his report. And then in February of 1820, they agreed to review the committee's report, but with no luck, they still denied it. There was a scheduling to revisit the case, Mm -hmm. but he died in December of that year. And the note in the church minutes was no committee meeting this month. (laughs) Wow. Okay. What the writer of the site stated and what I thought was also interesting was there was no mention of like the happenings going on at the Bell Farm at any point. They knew about it. Like everybody knew about it. But they just were like that ready to get down. There was no mention of it. Like maybe he's being crazy because there's crazy stuff happening or something like that. Like, no, not at all. But as a side note, Mr. Batts was also excommunicated from the church in 1825. Oh, I guess for what? up i don't know charging interest on another person no you will literally never guess but i'm gonna give you one more guess um uh, marrying a 11 year old girl (laughs) that was a good guess but no what he stole bacon no (laughs) no why why does that get you excommunicated but having a slave and then like complain about interest like i mean that that got but it was the interest that got him excommunicated, though, not having I know, I know, I know. Just, okay, so bacon. Like, from a store or from somebody? I don't have the news report, Kristen. I just... <laughs> just <laughs> I just really like the idea of him, like, um, just walking into somebody's house and just like, taking 
baking bacon off their table like smashing the bacon off off the plate like they're sitting down for breakfast and he just walks in he just takes the plate of bacon and is like i'm gonna take this this is mine now and then walks out maybe that's why we heard the pig in the cave (gasps) maybe it's mr bats the whole time he's the bell witch so in 1820 it is said that mr bell died of poisoning yes However, the only thing I found on this website was that he died of his physical ailments, which seemed more like a neurodegenerative disease. Okay. Or was it? Bum, bum, bum. No, there's no evidence of the black strange liquid. I didn't see anything about that. Well, you never know. There's but no autopsy. There's no autopsy. But I'm going to give you a little bit more of a scoop. Okay. Grab your teacup because I'm about to spill it. So, <laughs> hold on, let me. I'm gonna hold my coffee cup just for Good this idea. now. Good idea. So Betsy did end up breaking off her engagement with Mr. Gardner. Unfortunately, oh, what a she shame. decided that she was worried that Joshua would suffer the same fate as her father, because she had been hearing, you know, her father would die for three years. Like the witch was like, "I'm gonna kill you," and then he actually did end up dying. Right. And so she was like, well, I love this man and I don't want him to die too. So I'm going to go ahead and break it off. But don't worry. There's a light at the end of this Thank disaster. God. Who is there to save the day? But none other than Mr. Powell himself. What? Oh, you're not amused. What? Starting from the very beginning of the breakup, like day one, Mr. Powell was there to lift her spirits. He the school her, teacher, right? The school teacher. Yeah, yeah. He would bring her flowers, recite her poems, and he'd go and visit her every day. Uh, Okay, pause. Just please. I love poetry. I write poetry. If if Zach were to to recite me poetry in front of me, in front of my face, like out loud in front of me, cringe right out of my body. That's not romantic. Please don't do that. (laughs) I don't like it. I would just like to recite a line from a, from a poem that a boy wrote for me one time. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead. You know exactly what I'm going to say. I know. Your eyes are like two black holes, always pulling me in. And then I said, please stop. Because, <laughs> because that is the worst thing anybody can ever do is to forcefully make you listen to the poetry <laughs> that they wrote Shana thought that it was fantastic I'm sure I'm sure Shana thanks for listening by the way but you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> no like in a funny way I oh okay oh, good then you you're right <laughs> listen dude if you're listening I know we were both like we were 16 and it was a different time and you were trying your best and I'm really sorry I ghosted you after that I am not sorry that she goes to you after that. <laughs> I hope anyway, you learned your lesson. Don't be too surprised, but they did end up getting married after three years of courting. Oh, well, you know, three years. Well, she, she's like 18 now, right? So. But wait, there's more. Oh, gosh. It gets deeper. It keeps going. It keeps going. Shockingly, he was previously married <gasps> to a woman named Esther Mackenzie Scott of Dixon County, Tennessee, mm. who was 18 years his senior. Oh. And 
it was especially weird for that time for the wife to be older than the man. Yeah, I imagine. But much less like two decades older. Right. Apparently, Mr. Powell never mentioned this marriage. He kept it very like under wraps. Mm -hmm. But he did reference it in his personal diary. And there was also a reference to his settling of her estate in the Robertson County Public Records. Esther conveniently died in 1821, a few months after John Bell Sr. died, in the same year that Betsy broke off her engagement to Joshua. Interesting. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. Mr. Powell was also suspected of being part of the occult. <gasps> Mr. Um, Powell's the Bell Witch! I'm rocking your world. I am so, like, my mind is blown <laughs> right now. So, oddly enough, Richard was never around when Kate put on these demonstrations. Wait, so, <laughs> I just want to say. Your mind is blown. I just want to say, I'm not saying he's the Bell Witch. We're just saying you've never seen them in the same room together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. He also never spoke or wrote about her. Like, he just pretended like she wasn't there. Hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Um, There was one account that said an incident took place at the schoolhouse, and this involved Calvin and John Johnson. You remember Calvin? Yes, the most pure, beautiful, wonderful man in the world. Who, while walking down the road by the schoolhouse one evening, noticed a glare of a candle burning inside. And so they had some time to spare, so they went to go check in on Professor Powell. Hmm. After several unanswered knocks... They decided to go ahead and enter. Unable to find Mr. Powell, they stood and waited by his desk, casually glancing at all of his books that he had. Mr. Powell soon arrived, running quickly to his desk and putting away a book that had been left open. Calvin apologized, saying that he was just glancing and he hadn't read the book. And Mr. Powell said that it was an old Latin book and not important. Mm -hmm. So Calvin is very smart. He's so smart. He's the smartest man in the world. (laughs) No, listen, I will get into that later. He was actually very smart. Okay. Um, he I believe first. <laughs> I've never met him, but he seems like a gem. Uh, he was well versed in Latin and Greek, mm-hmm. and he later commented saying that nothing in the book in the book appeared to be Latin or Greek. Interesting. So, some assumed that this was Mr. Powell's ciphering book, which belonged to his father and had like math equations and stuff. His father was also very well educated and it was essentially like a equation book plus like his journal kind of mm-hmm. um the author of this website who has mm-hmm. done all the research has actually seen mr powell's ciphering book i'm so jealous of everything that he's been able to look through and he says that its contents are easily decipherable and includes occasional use of greek symbols and math problems and he does mm-hmm. not feel like the book was the ciphering book that Calvin saw. Gotcha. So another account comes from the descendant of Joshua Gardner's younger brother. Okay. Several, and this is kind of like fourth hand. So Mm -hmm. I would say this is more of a rumor. So several children, including some of the Gardner and Bell family, were walking home from school late one afternoon and discussing a difficult problem that Professor Powell had asked them to solve. As they were walking, they became more confused and decided to turn around and go back to the schoolhouse and ask for some clarification. 
which good on them. Take that advice. Yes. Yeah. They found the door locked and heard distinct sounds of Mr. Powell's voice coming from inside, speaking a language that they didn't recognize. Upon hearing their knocks, he ceased speaking and opened the door, saying that he must have been daydreaming and that no one else had been present. So they started to kind of chat among the children, like themselves. Like yeah. about Professor Powell's incantation and it went on for months and it said that and this isn't proven this is just hearsay that Mr. Powell Mr. Powell severely punished several of them when he learned about these conversations mm. wow so I'm not saying that he did it we're not but we're, we can't say he can't he didn't do it right because let me finish <laughs> so now we're gonna have those you know, the end of the movie where you get to see how everybody ended up. Right. It's like a, a slow motion. You're going to, a picture is going to pop up. A picture is not going to pop up. This is a podcast. Right. But I but will tell you. Imagine the pictures. Yeah. I will tell you yeah, how right. everybody ended up. Well, John Bell ended up dead. Well, uh, obviously. <laughs> he didn't make it through this movie. Lucy Bell inherited the land of her husband, which ended up being over 100 acres and passed of natural causes in 1837. They're also buried together. I, they are. I mean, I've seen the I've seen the tombstone. Um, it says like John Bell, and then it says his birth date and de- death date. And then like in a corner of this same little tombstone, it says with wife Lucy Bell. Like, just like it's like oh, it's an afterthought. It doesn't have her birth date or her death date. Well, I, I think the the headstone was made in the fifties because the original headstone was. On like that headstone, it says that the original headstone disappeared. Yeah, but still, I feel like <laughs> and oh, give, give her some knew her birthday. <laughs> That's true. I mean, at least give her death date. I don't know. It was just a little bit, or put her in the same size font as everybody else. Exactly. So Betsy obviously ended up married to Richard Powell. She became a homemaker and a mother to eight. Hmm. Only four would make it to adulthood, unfortunately. So as an interesting story, in 1849, the Saturday Evening Post published a story believed to be the first commercially published account of the, quote, Bell Witch. And Elizabeth was implicated as being the culprit. Okay. So she got pissed and she threatened legal action if they didn't retract their statements. A public apology and retraction appeared in the later edition of the Saturday Evening Post. They're like, all right, and we'll apologize. And also, be just in case she is the witch, we don't. <laughs> My bad. Uh, she remained in the Cedar Hill area for many years and had the reputation of being a very witty and personable lady, hmm. just like us. And later in life, around like 1874, she moved in with her daughter Eliza Jane, and she passed in 1888. Okay. So Kate Batts, the only thing that I could find about her was she outlived John Bell by 25 years. It sounds like she was just like the the city scapegoat. Well, like the she was different. Mm. Um, also like us. Yes. And so I guess it was easy for her to be accused of being a witch or whatever. But she outlived him by 25 years and pretty much just did her own thing. Good for her. So Mr. Gardner moved away after Betsy broke up with broke him. Up. Mm-hmm. He moved away, married became a father, was a great husband, 
and actually ended up becoming a very successful farmer. He also served as a magistrate for several years in Paris, Tennessee, and ended up owning more than 1,800 acres. Wow. So, I mean, Betsy, just saying. I think Kate might have had it wrong. Maybe the prediction was wrong and you married a creepy occult guy for nothing. Speaking of, Mr. Powell became a politician. However, he suffered a massive stroke at the peak of his career that left him unable to fend for himself or his family. Mm. And they actually end up becoming destitute. Joshua tried to write them a letter to like plead the state to kind of help since Richard was a politician. Mm -hmm. But the state was like, nah, no. No, thank you. Uh, So his health slowly dwindled and he died in 1848. Mm. So Betsy died like 20 years later. And it was said that Betsy didn't like being alone and she refused to sleep by herself. She had to sleep in the same bed with someone and she preferred to be in between the person and a wall. Interesting. So Calvin Johnston was my favorite character out of all of this. Me too. He's just dandy. He was a very smart man, and he actually was subscribed to America's First Science magazine, which is kind of unheard of at that time. And he also invented Braille, but not really. So he worked up this method where Mm -hmm. blind people could read, and he was like, all right, I got it. And he rode into town to get the patent for it. And when he got there, this French guy with the last name of Braille had just gotten a patent for the same thing a week earlier. Oh, no. He was just a little too late. A little too late. So I think the Johnsons were just very intelligent. John was actually the one who asked Kate to let him touch her hand, and she was like, no. No, you're gross, but your brother is fine, so. (laughs) (laughs) He often had, like, harsh conversations with Kate. They didn't really, like get along with each other and Mm -hmm. Kate became angry with him at one point and threatened to kill him and on his way home the following morning he noticed what looked like a shadow of a long sharp knife behind him and he thought to himself if the lord wants me to die then I die I will not run and he stood in his tracks to see what he was dealing with and the knife never disappeared And after taking time to kind of check out his surroundings, he realized that the knife was actually a shadow of a blade from a (laughs) cornstalk blowing in the wind. Well, but you know what? Listen, he is a smart man because whenever I'm laying in bed and I think I hear something and my mind starts to trick me into thinking that it's somebody coming into my house or like a ghost, Mm. I'm like, I close my eyes and I say, you know what? If I'm going to die, I'm going to (laughs) die. And that's, if this is my time to go, this is my time to go. And then I wake up in the morning and I make myself toast. So, great. I have the same, we're on the same level. Well, after this, he started thinking that many of the so-called encounters with Kate probably had very logical reasoning behind them, such as Mm. a corn blade blowing in the wind. And that most people ran away frightened without taking the time to really check things out. So it sounds like the Johnstons were on it. My favorite part of this is Calvin's epitaph. And I'm a sucker for a good epitaph. So his gravestone reads, Remember mortal man as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you must be. Prepare for death and follow me. 
Wow. <laughs> That's a good poem. And I don't mind you reciting me poetry. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> See, Calvin is the best guy in the world. I just, I mean... There, there are just some, there are, there are some interesting characters in Adam's Tennessee. They're all drama. They're, they are their own little version of Dynasty. Didn't it remind you, like, of the Crucible, of, like, all these yeah. things going on? Yes. So that's really all that I have. I, it literally has nothing to do with the cave. Like, I was sitting here getting ready to talk to you, and I'm like, the Bell Witch Cave. I don't have a single story of the cave aside from a child getting his head stuck in between <laughs> some rocks on the cave. Oh no. And a witch allegedly lifting him up out of the rocks after he screamed for help and carrying him to the entrance of the cave and letting him go. Yeah, they don't ever explain really like what the cave itself has to do with the bell witch, except for like in passing, I saw a rumor that. Kate um, used that as her childhood clubhouse Mm -hmm. but then there was nothing ever mentioned about that again Mm -hmm. so I guess like the cave was supposedly where the bell witch resided when she was not tormenting the bells Mm -hmm. but I I mean I don't know I think that Richard Powell did it (laughs) okay so my thing is is that like if Richard Powell was behind the witch right like Mm -hmm. he he had he constructed this master plan to like make up the switch or like the calvin (laughs) really liked calvin he liked him because he was also an educated man but he really liked him like he borderline had a crush on him calvin stated that the witch had velvety soft hands (laughs) I think Calvin and Richard make the, made this up together. <laughs> I think that Richard was like, okay, I really want Betsy. And Calvin was like, I really want everybody to love me. So let's make up this plan for the switch. And she can say that I'm the most wittiest, funniest, handsome, smartest man. And then she can also tell Kate not to marry Mr. Gardner because he's crap and you're great. So <laughs> conveniently. Do we think that Richard killed John Bell and his much older wife? I don't know if he killed his Eliza. Wasn't that her name? I think so. There's so many names. Like the Crucible. That's right. But it would be, I mean, it would be convenient. Like, oh, the witch said that my dad was going to die. But I don't know if I really believe that. And then when it happens, like, oh, well, then I guess everything else she said, it kind of, you know. Yeah. So, I mean... I, I don't know this whole thing just the history and the people involved and then the paranormal findings and like the actual like witch cave legend is a whole mess it's all messy well I don't think anything is haunted for one you think I it's think, a hoax I think it's a hoax I well I think the bell witch is a hoax there might be something in the caves because like the Native American community was very big in that area Mm -hmm. and it goes beyond the native community like the native american community it goes into um the people the people before like the native americans that we recognize like the cherokee the chickasaw those people Mm -hmm. they were actually descendant from a group of people called the mound builders and they were in like the woodland in the mississippian area and they were known 
for that name because they would bury their dead in mounds. In, in mounds. Yeah. And that, I mean, and this, and the graves, quote unquote, um, that I'm just saying quote unquote, because I don't always believe that Ghost Adventures is showing you what really is, <laughs> is at no that kidding. location. Um, but they are mound shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of tracks. And both of the episodes that I watched and um, in the Tennessean story that I read, they do heavily mention the Native American graves that are are there around the cave and some of the bodies were moved into the cave, supposedly. Yeah. So it would not be a stretch for some sort of uh, spirit activity to be going on mm-hmm. like that. But as far as a witch, I know, I don't think there's any witch especially after you saying that kate specifically has like literally virtually nothing to do with the story Mm-mm. she's not there there's no really big heavy evidence like when i found with El- eloise a lot of like evps and stuff to support even in the episodes that i watched there wasn't really a lot that they could give that was substantial mm-hmm. i find it very interesting that uh william porter didn't show up in any of your research the guy that supposedly caught and tried to kill the bell witch now listen this guy has like a table with all the key characters and he does like a little biography and they have he has like his their birth dates and stuff on there and everything mm-hmm. he's nowhere on there interesting so i don't know okay so i know that supposedly william porter was lucy's brother because mm-hmm. they called it John's brother-in-law mm-hmm. so she could there this guy that they had on the episode of Ghost Adventures could very well be a descendant of William Porter who was Lucy's brother I don't I guess I don't think that he had anything to do with this whatsoever so so yeah this is all very I went into this thinking that like oh, okay this is going to be chock full of just overwhelming evidence to be a haunting and I just I don't I don't, I didn't find No, it was anything. a giant episode of Degrassi. Like, <laughs> it was one giant arc of all my children <laughs> and their witches. There was so much. Oh, I did want to mention President Jackson. Jackson. No. No. So, he wasn't there. No, he wasn't there. The guy did some research of real estate records and also research of Andrew Jackson's journals and he indicates that there was a he owned a property in the Red River settlement and he Mm -hmm. often visited the area including the home of a John Bell but there's no documentation that he actually encountered the Bell Witch Mm. Um, and then he goes on to state that the word documentation he's referring to eyewitnesses accounts written by Jackson himself and the ink and signature are authenticated. So gotcha. he wants like for real validated things. Uh, there's also considerable evidence that suggests that Jackson was not even in that area during the time of the haunting. Mm, gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, he said he also would really like to get his hands on the journal of some of Jackson's right-hand men at the time of the disturbances. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hasn't been able to do so due to lack of time and money. Um, but apparently there was a story of a witch tamer with a silver bullet in Jackson's entourage, and he <laughs> suspects that it is Captain John Gordon, who was a scout and a spy and a very close friend. 
he said that if the encounter really took place, then he is positive that Captain Gordon would have written about it. So he's oh yeah, really anxious to get a hold of his journals, but he hasn't been able to yet. But no, it doesn't look like President Jackson was there. I want that to be one of my titles eventually. I want to be Captain Gordon. No, the witch tamer. <laughs> the witch tamer with the silver bullet. That'll be your uh, your new album. Yes. Um, I have a question though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned earlier that there was a part of the Ingram book that was called Our Family Trouble that was written by one of the Bell children. Um, they said that when he Ingram supposedly got this straight from the Bell family, and then after he wrote the book that he wrote, the diary, the original diary disappeared. Mm-hmm. Did this guy on your website find like any original of the Bell diary? Like, did he have, does he have any of the Bell's diaries or journals or anything? So he has, um, he has a section on his site called Essays on Key Topics. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially blogs. And there's a blog on here called, quote, Authentic and Official Accounts. And he starts by saying there's a very fine line between fact and opinion. And then he gives you the definition of authentic from dictionary.com, not false or copied, genuine, real. And he said using those definitions, an account of the legend must be supported by unquestionable evidence. It must be in agreement with known facts if it is considered to be authentic. All of the books, movies, documentaries, and websites that claim to be authenticated accounts of the Bell Witch, none fall within the above definition of authentic. Wow. So he's just like dragging them. (laughs) He said that there's a part in the book that has to do with Kate Bate or Kate Batts and the number and gender of her children as reported by the book doesn't go along with the census and the other records of the period Mm. that's just the beginning of many errors of historical fact um so it just kind of leads into the fact of it being like not Not really authentic yeah so probably the richard bell diaries are most likely the ones that quote-unquote disappeared after he wrote he included them in his book probably are not just like the interview tapes from George Litz that nobody has ever heard heard yeah also I think it's just very interesting that George Litz was supposedly into the occult and so was Richard Powell yeah yes so Uh, the parallel stories are a little strange with this one I I know that is really interesting yeah I'm gonna say this is a big fat like fat hoax yeah I think so too I'm sorry Listen, if you find a clump of hair in a well with That's scratches, I... call the cops. Right. If you find phones in a cave, call the cops. It doesn't matter right. if we think that there's a ghost there or not. If you find human remains somewhere, it doesn't matter if you think that it's an old burial ground. Call the cops. Yes, exactly. Don't put That's... it in your pocket. That's what I'm <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He the when he put this clump of hair in his pocket, I wanted to throw up. Like <laughs> don't do that I mean I don't don't do it how does he know that wasn't like a dump site right or I mean like just because the story ends in 1830 whatever doesn't mean that people can't kill on that property right and they probably I mean are counting on people being too scared to go there at night by themselves hello so I don't I don't know just it's a bad idea it's just a bad leave 
remains where they are and then call the authorities. Don't touch things. Don't bring skulls inside to show your ma. Don't touch anything. Don't keep teeth. <laughs> Don't keep teeth. Oops. <laughs> Kristen, I can't throw away my dog's teeth. Just, you can do whatever you want when you talk to me. I'm sorry to my future children. I won't be keeping your teeth. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but. You're going to end up keeping them. Oh, no. We're going to see a picture from Kristen in 10 years of her jewelry box with all 1,600 teeth in there. <laughs> oh, no. Little do you know, you're the mother of Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden has so many teeth. It's ridiculous. I wonder if his mom kept her his. We'll she see has, him in a museum. She has six mute jewelry boxes. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Hoax? Hoax. Definitely. That was fun. That was fun um let's see what are we what what are we doing next week next week is going to be an adventure we're going on a ghost tour we are we're going to be going to take a trip to the coast and learning about some ghosts which is very exciting mostly because i get to spend the whole weekend with jennifer face to face we're stoked Um, yeah and we we cannot wait. wait to share all of the the details with you guys Yes, but in the meantime, we are going to do a sage moment, and uh, I have a little sage moment, I guess, plug this week. Since uh, you are kind of going in, we're going into the the Christmas season, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, Some people might be looking for some holiday gifts ideas, and this whole time that we've been doing this episode, I've been burning a candle called Dark Academia. Um, it's from one of our dearest friends, um, Maxie. Zach went to high school with her where they went to college at the same college and she started dating one of Zach's friends. We're, we're all very close. And she opened up her own candle company on Etsy. It's called Scaredy Cat Candle Company, which I think is just the cutest name. And what she does is she makes candles based on like literary themes and like well-known books mm-hmm. like characters and stuff um so I have two of them dark academia and enemies to lovers and they smell so good they burn so well um it's not overpowering so yeah shout out to maxi this is the only free plug I'm gonna give <laughs> everybody else has to sponsor us this way. um but go check her out on Etsy you should take a picture and put a link on our Instagram story definitely well I will go ahead and take a picture of this candle and put it on the Instagram story, tag their, their business page. So you guys can go ahead and order yours before uh, Christmas presents need to be coming in. Yeah. So my sage moment is a little like bittersweet. Um, This weekend, we had some terrible news that one of my classmates and his wife, unfortunately had been murdered. Mm. Um, Somebody broke into their home and shot them. And it was very sudden, and they were two of the nicest, most genuine people you will ever meet. He was such a stand-up guy, always wanted to do the right thing, no matter what. Just a real golden soul individual, and she was right there with him. Uh, They have a two-year-old little boy who thankfully was not harmed. Um, Thank goodness. But they today actually caught the shooter 
and charged him with the murders. And I'm so glad that there was justice served so quickly. That doesn't always happen. And that's, that's a great thing to, right. to kind of give the family some closure and hopefully some answers. Yeah. So what we're going to do is I'm going to um, send Kristen the link to their GoFundMe um, and all of the proceeds will go to the arrangements for the couple as well as um, help supporting their little boy and whatever he may need in the future. Um, the families are absolutely stellar families, so there is no concern about the funds being mishandled by any means and any little bit would help. So that will be linked on a brighter note. I was deciding that I was going to, you know, maybe stop for the stop on the jokes for a little bit, but mm-hmm. given Thanksgiving, I decided I probably couldn't quit cold turkey. So <laughs> There you good, go. Good. Keep them coming. I do want to mention something really quick before we kind of wrap up. Also, uh, in a few episodes, I think it was episode two of Amityville, I said my dad sent a picture of a scuba diver with a tuba um, and gave a shout out to my dad, which still shout out. My dad listens religiously, and that's so great. Um, But that actually, that picture (laughs) and joke uh came from my stepdad joe so shout out to my stepdad joe who also listens and sent us a picture i'm so sorry i have like four sets of parents you'll learn as i go and (laughs) i don't read my messages very well obviously so um i apologize Joe, but, for the record, I told Kristen to change your contact picture to the scuba tuba just to clear up just any so confusion in the future. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that was it. Yeah, so we want to hear all about your ghost misadventures, uh, where you'd like us to cover next. Any ghost tours we need to go on, any ghost tours we need to avoid, all of it. If you could send it to hauntedorhoaxpod at gmail.com, we would love you for it forever. And be sure to follow us on Instagram. We are Haunted or Hoax Pod and the tweeters H or H Pod. And we're also on Facebook at Haunted or Hoax. Yeah, um, follow our social media for sure. We post whenever the episodes go up. We post if we ever have a delay. Uh, <laughs> something's messing with our audio. Um, and we have some really great contact. contact we have some very great content. <laughs> And um, we always are looking for that interaction. So um, for sure. we want to kind of grow into like a nice little community. So. And sometimes you even get to see pictures of our pets, which makes yes. it all worth it. Yes. Um, and then lastly, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcast. The rates and the reviews give me a little warmth in my heart. Um, and they also are a huge help to get the word out about the podcast. Please, please. We're not begging, but we're kind of begging. <laughs> I do really enjoy reading those reviews. Yes, they're so great. And um, again, ending this, but thank you so much for listening. This is yes. our fifth episode and we've gotten so much amazing feedback and so many new listeners and I'm just so excited about it. <laughs> yes, it is very validating. Definitely. Um, and then I guess we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, sounds right. good. All right. Bye. Bye.